and I remember hearing my sister screaming my name, crying. And I ran over to her and I said, what happened? And she finally collected herself and she said, I heard the devil audibly. And he told me he was going to kill me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. You can follow Disciple of City on Instagram and Facebook and the Toddcast on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. Friends, Disciple of City exists to equip Christians with simple tools to share the gospel and make disciples. We are a non-for-profit charitable organization, and if this ministry or podcast has encouraged you, would you prayerfully consider supporting us? If the Lord puts it on your heart, you can go to discipleacity.ca, click on Donate, and leave a note in the message box to indicate General or for the Toddcast to help us continue reaching people across Canada. My guest today is originally from Prince Rupert, British Columbia. He has run conferences in British Columbia, Alberta, and South Korea, and has been on mission trips to the Philippines twice. He's now married with two kids, and he's been hunkered down in Kelowna, BC for the last while. Please welcome David Michael. What's happening? Hey, man. (laughs) Welcome to the show, bro. Oh, man. It's great to be here. Yeah. It's great to be here. Um, you're visiting family, so thanks for taking the time to come into the studio, and uh, you're jetting out tomorrow, so appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Squeezed you in. So, man, enjoying your time here? You know, I love Peterborough. I, I, I love it. It's, you know, as we were talking, uh, between Kelowna and Peterborough, I have a special place for both places. Yeah. Totally love it here. Yeah, we were talking earlier in the green room just about the the move of God and the pushback from the enemy in these two cities. Yeah. Well, everywhere, but in yeah. specifically in least in your city in this one here. Um and so David, as you know, you've hopefully heard the show a couple times. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, would like to know uh, a little bit about your background, but uh, as we talked about in the green room, green room, would really like to explore the supernatural and some of your experiences yeah. in that. But uh, just give us a quick background on how you how you grew up. Yeah, first of all, I want to say it's a huge honor, Todd, to be here. I love I love this uh, podcast, and uh, I've been listening from the start. So to be here is just a huge honor. So and Disciple of City, I love you guys. But, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. My, my story, um, was raised as a, you know, Pentecostal background where, you know, everyone was used to people in church shaking and speaking in tongues and raising hands and the banners and just loud. And, and, uh, that was kind of my whole upbringing. So very charismatic background and, uh, yeah, just kind of watching that from, from, a small age, I just remember there was something that they, they had that I longed for. And I I remember as a kid, my parents didn't um, go one Sunday and my older siblings were in charge of whether we went to church or not. And they decided not to go. And I was probably 10 years old and I would run, I actually ran to church in the morning to get there and not knowing what it was that drew me there. And, and so that, that really kind of started my journey, um, in the supernatural and even God's presence at, at, at such a young age. Yeah. So your parents weren't really going, they were, but at that time they went out of town or whatever it was, but oh. there's seven siblings. So yeah, <laughs> to get everyone there was always a bit of a journey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we were, uh, we were chatting earlier about your sister yeah, and what she heard. Can you yeah, share that? Absolutely. Um, so like I said, that the supernatural kind of started unexpectedly for me. Um, I remember being in my room, just playing with Lego and I remember hearing my sister screaming my name, crying. And I ran over to her and I said, what happened? And she finally collected herself and she said, I heard the devil audibly 
and he told me he was going to kill me. And so, um, I just remember thinking like, wow, this is really real in that sense of like the opposition sense, you know, like having that experience really opened my eyes to, to that. And how old would you guys have been, you and your sister? Well, I probably would have been about 11, 11 years old, and she would have been about 9, 10, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere there, really young. And so people might people might dismiss that, uh, like she saw something scary on TV or something like that. So how would you, what would she say about that? Well, I would say it was in the plain day. It was not in the dark. Nothing had changed. Uh, It was an afternoon on a Saturday. And my sister uh, really, I could tell from the terror in her, in her face, I would say that I, I knew, like, I just knew what she experienced was real. Yeah. She, and so, and just the level of, it wasn't mo- it wasn't just like a night or like a terror or a thought. It was, she said, I heard the devil and I, I've never experienced my sister being that terrified before. And, you know, we had a dark basement, you know, and we had to go get itchy band and the person that, you know, rock, paper, scissors had to go down. And then we were terrified running back up the stairs because we were afraid of the dark. Yeah. Right. And then quickly close the door behind you. And I just remember it was totally different than that feeling. So, uh, how did you guys resolve that? I just hugged her. And I didn't know how to really, other than just embrace her and be there for her. And I just kept telling her, I said, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. I didn't have, you know, prayers, you know, I was pretty young. Yeah. So was this something that occurred again or was it just like a, like a one time? It was a one time Hmm. thing. And, and since, you know, my sister's journey has been, um, you know, having open eyed encounters with angels and, and things. And so our journey has been very much a supernatural one. Yeah. So then also, uh, I guess this would be after it. Cause I think yeah. of the age you said, but yeah. the, the video that you showed me of yeah. you when you were 12, was yeah. it 12? Yeah, you, I was 12. Yeah. Can you share that story? So, now I've seen, there's a little video that goes on with this that David has showed me. So I've, I've actually seen this too, but it, yeah. So again, um, my parents were involved with the church they were elders for many years and there was, a a, a crusade healing evangelist that was coming to our town and our church was a big driving force and making it happen. And so my dad and my mom were a part of serving this thing. And so we went because I went because my parents went, <laughs> it wasn't because I wanted to go at that time. Yeah. And, uh, we attended and the guy came on stage and, and he said, the Holy spirit is moving in this place. And I'll paint the picture because it was like a gymnasium in Prince Rupert, And it wasn't a huge stadium, but it, you know, it fit a full few thousand people. And so my sister and I, again, went up to the bleachers to get a better view, to see where this Holy Spirit was. And it was, it was a genuine kind of curiosity, I would say, to see what the Holy Spirit was and what it was doing. And so this Portuguese man uh, by the name of Morcerello, uh, he, he started saying the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. He's very Portuguese, <laughs> strong accent. It's moving in this place. And, and Todd, it was like my sister and I had this experience where say we would feel the presence of God and we would look over and we would see if one person would lift their hand up. And if we notice the other person lifting their hand, we put it back down because we were embarrassed. And I remember this feeling coming over me and I was out. I don't know for how long it was long enough um, to kind of freak my sister out. Um, And I came to, and it's like, I didn't faint. It's hard to explain. And I remember thinking, why are my hands raised in the air? And why am I crying? I'm looking at my sister in shock and I don't have words to say. I can't say. So my sister signals my whole family. I've got a big family. So all my cousins and my aunt and they all surround me. And the guy on stage says, 
what's going on over there? Bring him up. So they bring me up to the stage and my hands were raised, not on my own will. They were up because the presence of God had tangibly touched my body. Yeah. And so they whisked me up past everybody and he asked what was going on. And, and, uh, you know, I remember feeling someone asked me in front of all those people, what did you feel? And I said, were you afraid? I said, no, perfect love casts out all fear. My friends were there. I didn't care. And he put his hands as he put his hands about on my head, my hands shot up. And it's a really supernatural thing when you see the video, because at 12 years old, you can't convince a kid to do that in front of a few thousand people. That's, that's terrifying. (laughs) And so I just think that when that power hit me and I went down again, um, this, this time it was different. It was, I was conscious of what was going on, but I wasn't aware of time. I experienced the glory of God and, um, that glory I remember feeling one phrase in my mind was that this is what I was made for at 12. Yeah. And I, and I think that was kind of the precursor of the supernatural realm being right there. And this, this light came down from heaven as close as I I could imagine it be coming without me dying in his presence. It was, it was so much. And then, um, they picked me up and they brought me off to this, the back and there my dad was and greeting me. And, and I said, dad, look, you know, I had no more tears to cry. And I said, dad, look, and I pushed my hand down and then I let go and it would shoot back up just (laughs) as a kid, just being blown away by the presence and power of God touching me. Yeah. And that, that was, yeah, I was at 12. Yeah. And that video, like when you showed me that video, yeah. like in your face, yeah. something clearly oh, yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember years later, you know, telling people about this, even when I kind of backslid, I knew God was real, you know, and there's a lot of people that have had experiences that know God is real. And I, I just, you just got to keep believing that that is rooted. I call them faith hooks. Yeah you know, deep within a soul that they know God is, is with them and loves them and is real. Yeah. Well, speaking of hooks, you just dropped the word backslid. Yeah. Which, which which is interesting. But so let's, let's explore that a little bit with you because you've had these encounters. So, you know, he's real. Yeah. What take us through this period of backsliding. Mm Mm-hmm. So after that experience and how, and, and like how, how can that happen yeah. after having such a yeah. tangible encounter? Totally. Absolutely. So I, I think in my case, it was knowing he was full real to me and he revealed himself in that manner. I actually would go to bed talking out loud as if I would hear him audibly and that was my expectation on how I would hear him. And so as time progressed, I wasn't given the tools to actually hear God. And that slowly allowed unbelief because my connection with hearing him faded and I lost my connection with him. I slowly started to, well, if a God wanted to, to touch me this way and doesn't want to talk to me, then well, why would I even bother pursuing? And, and that was my honest kind of driving lie that I, that I believed for many years. I just like, I'm good. I know he, like you didn't need to tell me at a party, you know, talking over supernatural things and you, you didn't need to convince me that God was real. I already knew he was real, but I just, I guess I was hurt because I believed something about God that wasn't true. Mm. That he actually does speak and he actually wants us to, to, to listen and, and hear him. And he, he did long for me to hear him, you know? So how old were you when, when this started to happen? So again, it was, this is 
Like how long after this crazy experience? This was probably a a period of, I would say, eight years. It slowly progressed. And, you know, and I would go to youth group and I would do the stuff and say the prayers. But as far as the connection point with the Holy Spirit from that moment kind of was non-existent. Yeah, but I mean, like, when did it sort of start to drift away? Like, if you had that encounter at 12, were you solidly talking to God at night for a year or how? No, no. I would say, like, it was probably a good two years where I was, you know, wanting to pursue God and hear him. And then from there, it just, it's, it faded away. Like I just like, well, what's the point if he's not going to talk to me, you know? So the, um, so then what, uh, like, so what was the turning point or there's obviously a turning point in, in that. So what happened at the end of the eight years or what was the turning point turning back to him? Well, I would say it was a praying mother. My mom prayed for me, um, coming home high and drunk and she would write, um, these notes prophetically. Now looking back at it was God speaking to me she would write these notes from the Lord, put them on my bed. And sometimes I would read them. Sometimes I'd rip them up. Sometimes I'd cry. And mostly I kept them, but just, it was off to the side. And, and one morning my parents had asked me to go to this conference down in Spokane. And I, I, you know, since then I love America, but I hated America. (laughs) (laughs) why i i honestly don't know and i think maybe it was warfare maybe it was but we went to this conference you hadn't met gabriel jackson yet (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and i remember cussing and and cursing all the way down kicking and screaming the whole way and i remember having this experience again at a conference that wasn't supposed to be for the public it was actually for leaders and the conference was called the winds of change. Mm. And from there, my life got transformed (laughs) where I remember the night before smoking weed to the next night, I'm on the ground holding my mom's hand with an intercessor and we're being blown around by the presence of God and angels all around us. So having that complete shift again was, was huge. It, it it radically changed me. There was no, I'm all in. I was all in from that moment. And he just met me and he healed me completely down in Spokane at the healing room ministry there. So that, that was a conference for leaders, but which your parents were at the time and they just took you. No, they so weren't leaders they either. Did, no. So they, so you guys snuck into a conference you weren't yeah. supposed to belong <laughs> to go to. <laughs> they just were so gracious. They said, well, if the Lord brought you, then come on in. And and that's where I got my breakthrough. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and sometimes people just need to just do what God tells them. So friends, sometimes you may need to sneak into a conference that you don't have tickets for. That's right. That you weren't asked to come to. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. So bro, let's, um, South Korea. I mean, we could talk about, stuff that you led in Alberta and BC, but yeah. what, but I'm more curious to what, uh, which came first, the Philippines or South Korea? It was, um, the Philippines that came first. Um, okay. It. So talk about that. What, what, what brought you to the Philippines? Cause I understood you went there, you've been yeah. there twice yeah. for like five, six months since. Yeah. yeah. Once with now your wife and mm-hmm. your, your, uh, oldest boy, but the first time you were just you. Yeah, correct. So what brought you there? So um, I'll back it up just a little bit because my prophetic journey actually started with dreams. And when I was probably 14, 15, I would have these dreams where I would see into the future. And I would tell, you know, my sister, cause I'd be like, I had a dream. And in this dream, you had a boy and, and then sure enough, they'd have a boy. And then I'd have another dream years later and say, I had had a dream where you had two boys. And, you know, that's kind of where my, 
I leaned in a little bit to the prophetic when at a young age, I started to be like, Oh, there's something to this. And I didn't really understand. And so, um, I would say kind of my prophetic journey has been with dreams to start with. And so I had, uh, this experience where I was dreaming about this place in the Philippines and I'd been to three different places in this dream. And so I actually looked into how many people were in the Philippines, you know, how many islands it was looked into the history and I'd never been, I didn't know anybody that had gone and I'd, I'd met a couple of people on the, on that journey that had been. And so I actually felt the Lord tell me to go at, in October. And so I went to my pastor and I said, Hey, I feel like I'm supposed to go to the Philippines. And he said, really? When? And I said, October. And he says, well, we're going in October. Why don't you come with us? And at that time, um, my pastor was Wesley Campbell and Stacy, Stacy Campbell. And so I had gone with them and they had, um, conferences that they were leading as Stacy's got, got a prophetic, uh, and she's a prophet to the nations. And so she goes around and prophesies. And so that was really what started. And in my dream, I had went to three different places and, and then when I went there, I didn't know the, you know, where we were going and how many conferences it was, but it ended up being three different lo- locations and it ended up being, um, exactly what we went and prophesied over. It was so, it was honestly, wow. it blew me away. I, I was just so shocked. And so that, you know, and I would go to, go to places and, um, prophesy with Stacy and see, you know, the move of God in the Philippines, which was really, it blew my mind. So how long was that trip? That one was three months. And I, I got connected with, um, a ho- the house of prayer there. There was another ministry down in, um, Davao that I got connected with. And so, and I love the Filipino people, man. I love it. And so I fell in love with them and I, and they would, you know, I would go out on the streets with them and I would teach them about evangelism and, and really just hearing God. Yeah. And we have, I don't know how many, but according to our analytics, we have some listeners in the Philippines. So hello to you. And I love Filipinos. Yes. So, uh, do you have a story from there? Something like a crazy healing story or something that you encountered at this particular trip? You know, there's, there's, there's several, you know, uh, that were, um, you know, deaf ears opening and, and some really radical ones. I remember when I had gone there, there was this kid, uh, during this conference that was a, a street kid and he, he had his intestines in a bag and there was three of them. And, uh, I remember just picking this one, this one kid up and, um, he, he, that's how we got rid of his bowel movement was through this bag and he would dispose it. And it wasn't really all that clean. And, and I remember holding this kid after a conference outside. And I remember just being like, God, make a way for this one make a way for this one. And I remember just praying that prayer of faith. I didn't see the miracle right there. I didn't, you know, and it wasn't until, um, years later when I'd gone back with Kristen, my wife and my son, um, I'm there at a conference and I'm laying down with my head to the ground. And the Lord says to me, I says, he says, look up and look to your left. I want to show you something. And I look over and I see this, this boy and he's crying, sobbing for the presence of God. And, and it's this boy. He got, got, he didn't get a miraculous healing, but what had happened was there were some amazing people that I'd connected with that had heard the story of this child got the, the donators, um, and, and got him the, the medical aid to get the surgery. And now this kid is the top of his class. Mm. He's an honor roll student and he's going to become a doctor, a kid that was given probably zero chance to be anything in the arms of the father. He was given his, his position back, his hope 
and that, that story rocked me, bro. That one, that one shook me because, you know, I love, I love the supernatural and miraculous instantly, but I also like the process of healing yeah. and, and redemption. And, uh, from then I, I just, yeah, that one stuck out to me and there was a few other ones, but yeah, that one, that one really touched me. And, you know, there was another one when we had met this lady, um, you know, she, she passed on, but she, she was left to die, Todd. She was left to die. And, and I remember thinking like, what is this gospel? If it's not, if it doesn't look like something, you know, if it doesn't look like giving something that you have to somebody. And so she was abandoned and she was actually left for dead. She had a huge, her, her, she had a huge hole in her chest. She was being eaten, bitten by rats at night and she was left to die. Like in the street? In, in, it was an abandoned warehouse and a slaughterhouse for the homeless. And even the homeless didn't want her, want them, want her near them because of the smell. And she struggled with uh, mental health because of what the trauma she went through. And so we had experienced um, just God's love for this woman and she'd never smiled. Not one, not one time, but and and many people would go and take their picture with her to get donations and never do anything for her. And she was left in the same state, if not worse. And so we, we experienced, um, just kind of loving her and getting her aid, get, we got her a bed, we'd get her food, we get her everything she needed and tried our absolute best. And you know, the great thing was she ended up giving her life to the Lord and, uh, we, we could see her smile. Her smile to me was, was worth my whole trip there. Wow her smile just to be loved. And sometimes we underestimate the power of what love can do to a heart and the state that she was in, I think was far greater. She's in, she's in heaven now, bro. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. Like what do you do in those situations that feel so hopeless? Because like, you know, we believe for the supernatural and we, we live in that tension between the two, the natural and the spiritual. And what does it look like? And I've always realized that, you know, love is the greatest, right? Yeah. You know, love is the greatest. And sometimes love does look like being present, does look like being a shoulder, does look like food or water, you know, but yeah, we're on a process to learn to love. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So after that, then South Korea. Yeah. So I had gone with, um, my spiritual father maybe you'll get him on the show one day, but, uh, we went to South Korea as uh, conferences and, and it was, it was amazing to see the level of hunger. Um, like to host, like to host a conference or to partner with people uh, there. So just partnering with there. So I had partnered with, um, some ministries in the Philippines that we did some crusades and we did like a series of events. And then we went to uh, South Korea for um, just, I think it was a week and then went back to the Philippines. And so uh, South Korea was, uh, was great, man. I loved, I loved my time there. You know, there was a lot of really great manifestations and gold showing up on people's hands and oil on people's hands. And it was the level of hunger people had was, was really powerful. In your, in your opinion, would you attribute those types of signs like gold dust and stuff like that to the level of hunger? Or what do you think? And I mean, this is just speculation in your opinion, right? But exactly. I think, you know, I, I know that God moves is moved by hunger. You know, you look at the woman in the crowd that had the bleeding for how many years and she got her miracle by hunger. Yeah. Right. And I think there's a level to it, but I think sometimes there's a level to the awareness of someone walking in the presence that manifests it's in the natural, you know, and I've seen things with ministers that are aware of these things and they manifest because I think they're walking in something that's accessible to everybody, 
every believer. Yeah. It's not just these prophets, but it's these people that position and hunger because, you know, how, how God wants to reveal himself, it, that's up to him, you know? Yeah. Now, at this point in your life, are you close with your sister? Who yeah. Ha- who, yeah. And so are you sharing this stuff with her? Where is she at at this time? Yeah. So um, I would say she still has a lot of experiences with, you know, the prophetic and, and, and seeing, um, seeing God hundred percent. Yeah, she is. Like, I mean, then are you coming home and sharing all your experiences with her? Like, were you guys close? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We're really quite close. I share a lot of my stories with her. Yeah. Awesome. So dude, so you come home, what, what did you work or yeah, like just take us through the next sort of chunk of your life uh, sure. where you come home to where you, you get married and, and before you go back to the Philippines with your wife, mm-hmm. was that something that you wanted her to experience with you or? Well, yeah, like I, I wanted somebody to live a life of, of radical faith in obedience to God, wherever, where, wherever it took us, that was always something I desired. And so when I had met her and her being to like 29 different countries, it was just like, I was pumped, you know, for her to be connected and traveling with YWAM for four to five years as a leader, then yeah, of course I was ready to go. And so, um, you know, when we went back the, the second time to the Philippines with our one-year-old, it wasn't as glorious <laughs> as one would think it was hard and it's not the high of a missions trip. It is slugging in the trenches and pushing past disappointment and not seeing a lot and really feeling defeated why why was that because you know like like anyone that's been on a missions trip we've experienced these miracles and this these highs where we're our faith is next level and when you go and experience something and you still have that same faith it feels like but nothing happens you start to wonder then what are we even doing what are we here for if we're not here to do this you know and it really it really brought a perspective where um, just standing for us was huge in the midst of everything because there was a lot of a lot of chaos going on around us. You know, there were some things um, that were happening around us. You know, there were um, some supernatural things that were really dark that were happening that were we were aware of that was happening that was quite heavy to experience. Yeah, in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You got to be a little bit more specific about that than that. <laughs> I, I know. I know. So, um, there was a, there was a witch, um, a few, a few blocks from us that was, um, I'll just say she was killing and eating dogs and she was, um, she had power to, to, tra- to transform. She would transform into an animal and there was, um, these things called barangays, which is like a location and this captain of this barangay saw this witch and she transformed into a bird and flew away and it made the news. And so this, it made the news over there. Yeah. And so this level of dark and I, and I've heard of these, these shapeshifters, you know, and I know that sounds crazy to some, but this is real. And oh, I, nobody would believe that over here. Likely. No, no. And, 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 you know, like I was just with, um, my, my, my friend who's a, been a, a missionary in the Philippines runs the Cebu house of prayer there for years. And he's, and he knows several um, guys that have been walking in that level of darkness that tell their story, all kinds of stuff like that. So there, there was that. And um, so you didn't see or experience no, that you were just aware it was or a, heard the it stories. Was aware, but there was the sex traffic industry that was happening all around us as well, that we were hearing as well. So, that was also very heavy. So what were you doing there? Like, what was your purpose on so, this particular, yes. where, did you link up with people? Yeah, that you so were there was with? a, there was a ministry uh, we connected with. Um, we love them. And they were um, basically uh, starting a, a ministry for meeting and equipping 
families to get off the streets. So uh, whether it was struggling with homelessness or addiction, they were building a facility to help with this addiction and giving them the needs to, to get off the streets. And how long were you there? So we were there for about five to six months. I can't remember exactly. And was, was this sort of an open trip or did you have a, like we're coming home at this time or are you just sort of, yeah. Um, we, we had kind of given it a half a month, half a year. We said we were going to give a half year to this. And again, this was, this happened through a few experiences and you know, coincidences and meeting people and, and, and yeah, that's all yeah. Coincidences. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. No, I know. Okay. So then you come back from this, yeah, from this trip and I come back and it's, I got a different role. Yeah. You know, it goes back to full time work again. And that, was kind of a, a, sh- a shift for me, but it still continued to, I still continued to pursue because I think, you know, if you, if you can't walk in the supernatural just on a missions trip and, and your everyday life, I think we're turning it off. <laughs> and I think we're disengaging with what God actually wants to be involved with all the time. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking like, okay, I can, do my job and still engage with this and see God move in powerful ways. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, I remember just recently, just one that happened. Um, I was in the excavator working and I'm running a job and I look over and there was a, a lady, she's flagging for us traffic control. And I remember feeling and hearing the Lord say, there's an angel with her right now that's coming to being a blessing. The angel that was with her when she almost died, when she was 12 years old, is with her now. And you need to tell her this. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, God. So I, 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 you know, I kind of waved her over and I said, hey, when you were 12 years old, did an angel, um, did you almost die? And she's like, yeah, I almost drowned. It was almost swept down a river. And I said, there's an angel here with you right now. And, uh, and I guess it was really significant on the day of the, all of this happening. And so I, I kind of gave the word and then I, I pull my phone out and my phone was on, uh, do not disturb. And I had looked and a good friend of mine, prophetic friend, um, texted me and he said, there's an angel with you right now. And he has a message. And we got the chills. I said, I I said to her, I'm like, look at this. And she freaks out. I freak out. And, uh, and God showed up in a, in the workforce in such a powerful way. And she had faith because they were on the verge of losing things and, uh, financially. Hmm. And so I actually prophesied right then and there without her telling me that part. And I said, and the angel that's here also is here connected to your husband and there's breakthrough for you there. And she said, you have no idea. This is the day he's going back to work. We were on the verge of losing everything. And the fact that you're saying this today is just mind blowing. Wow. And, and is, is this person a Christian or were they, uh, you know, they, their grandparents were, um, were believers. So I, I don't know if I would say probably not. Yeah. So that's a very powerful, it was a very powerful experience for them. Yeah. 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 It's really important. There's so many people who have likely been on trips like yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, experienced whatever and then come home. And it's really interesting what you said about turning off or disengaging and yeah, things and there's purposes to going away, but we really need to be engaged and tuned in all the time because right. that stuff needs to happen here. That's right. I, I remember like when it first started, it, it kind of like kicked me off my horse for say, like I remember going to play tennis I'm, and I didn't have any water and I'm running late. So I run over to this place and they, they ended up, um, I was in line getting water and there was this guy behind me rubbing his temples. And, uh, I said, Hey bro, I said, do you, do you have a headache? 
you know, and it doesn't take a genius to realize that this dude has a headache. He's rubbing his head. He says, yeah, I do. And I said, let me pray for you. So he's like, wow, let me just get the water. So I wait and, um, and I start to pray for him and he gets healed his head. And, and I look at him and in my mind, I see a name flash in front of me, in front of me. And I said, I, what does Colton mean to you? And he's like, bro, that's my name. Wow. And I was freaked out. I'm like, well, God loves you. I, I got a tennis match to go to <laughs> <laughs> and I bolted. I didn't, I kind of was shocked that God just would speak that clearly in an everyday moment in, in tennis, you know, or whatever recreational moment. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. That's so wild. Um, David, uh, you recently tragically lost one of your brothers. Yeah. And, um, I don't, I don't know how, how much detail or if any that you want to go into, but my kind of question with that is like, after seeing all the things that you've seen, how, how did that, did that, um, like rock your faith or how was your faith level through all that mm-hmm. of what transpired? Yeah, absolutely. You know, losing my bro was, was really hard. And I remember, you know, going and, and, you know, I shared that with you, that, that, that last testimony, the last night I had with him when we went out and we were um, ministering to the homeless and him being homeless himself, him kind of being by my side as my kind of cheerleader, cheerleading me on to do this stuff with such anticipation and joy to see his brother do was was hard after seeing him then pass you know and and of course we i have those questions like you know why why did this happen you know um and you know i i think i've come to terms with i think i know that the reality is is that the devil comes to steal kill and destroy and god comes to bring life and life abundantly yeah and we we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against you know spirits and principalities and I think that I realized that, um, that the battle for his life was real, you know, seeing his life spared multiple times of him telling me he should have been dead 20 years ago, but a praying mother has kept him, you know, my faith in God through this has been strong in knowing that, yes, God has a plan for every single one of us. But I think that if I was to then base my faith on an outcome, I think that I would be pretty shaken. Yeah. Right. Because that God, you're good. And yet this bad stuff's happening to good people and we pray and we believe for all of this. And I, you know what I've come to terms with, I may not have all the answers, but I know, and I know that I know that what I experienced in his presence, I'm completely confident in God, regardless of the outcome. And I hope that there's people out there that need answers, you know, that can come to terms with that God is good, even in the midst of the chaos and the tragedy, Yeah, because he really is. I really wish that that girl was completely healed. You know, I really believed that she was going to be free and seen change, but her life was taken, you know, but God having the final say. Yeah. You know, that's the true definition of faith. And I want to have that place where when God comes and he says, and he makes that statement, he says, will I find faith on the earth? regardless of what goes on around us, I want to have faith in God. Yeah. Like real faith in the midst of if I lose everything, will I be okay? Will I come to terms with, um, or question his goodness? 
and I think of Job. Job was pretty pretty shook. Yeah. <laughs> in the Bible when all that stuff and, you know, those things that his family all died and the boils and it lost everything. I think that he remained and he didn't once curse God. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting perspective. Cause I've heard a lot of people talk about that particular book, but look at it from a totally negative way, you know, in the sense that they're suffering and, and kind of relate in a negative way. Whereas yeah. you're relating that in a positive way. Yeah. And in, in the solidness of his faith, we don't talk about um, suffering. We don't like to talk about suffering as believers because we believe in the overflow, the blessing, you know, the favor of God and all these things. But, you know, it says blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, there is a side of, you know, this, everyone has a cup of suffering like Christ had, you know, and to embrace it. I think there's things to be learned that God wants to show us in that, that help us develop character in God and have great levels of faith from it. Because like what happens in those moments or will you rise to the occasion and, and, and step up and believe in the midst of it being hard, because trust me, it was hard losing my bro. Or will we respond with faith? And I, I just, I'm trying, you know? Yeah. Well, sounds like you're doing a pretty good job. Amen, bro. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, dude, what about what, what's in store? For, what would you like to see for you in the next year? Oh man. I actually long to see, um, like people established in hearing God. And I actually would like to, to see myself walk in greater levels of hearing God, you know, um, because there are seasons when it's quiet and things are happening. And then we try to, you know, rah, 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 get ourselves fired up again and, and then try to, you know, make something up, you know, when it's just like, yo, God is just like, he's okay for a season for us to just trust him, you know, in the midst of kind of everything. And we all kind of experience that. Like I, I believe that he wants to equip me and my family to hear him in, in greater levels to, to obedience, you know, but, um, you know, there's lots, lots of things that we pray and we believe. And I remember just, you know, the, the prophecies over our life contending over, um, I love to, you know, I'm been enjoying this season of worship leading. I've been really embracing that. And so that's been, been kind of fun. Oh yeah. And you write some music and you got some songs. So that just yeah. reminded me there. So give yourself a little shameless plug there. <laughs> David has written some worship music that's available yeah. for download. Uh, how do we find that? And I'm going to, I'll put it in the, in yeah. the notes too, but how yeah. do we find that? Um, it's just David and Michael. It's on Spotify and Apple music and all of the platforms. It's all available. David Michael, the man with two first names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We'll put that, uh, we'll put that out there, bro. Thanks a lot for coming in and chatting, uh, man. It's honestly a privilege to be here. Some really intense, uh, stories yeah. that you've shared with us. Really appreciate it. Um, and I have one, one more question for you. Um, and the whole purpose, well, what would you say to someone who really would struggle to believe some of the things that you've experienced? Like, how would you, I don't know, let's say a coworker happens to hear this and says, man, I don't, you know, you mentioned some things about the Philippines or these different things. I, I don't know. I don't know. But yet you've seen it. So how do you help them navigate the things that you've seen? You know, um, I think about, you know, this, this father in heaven that desires to reveal himself to you. And I think that 
if you can position yourself to, to honestly strip away everything and come at it as, as like childlike, I think that the truth will be revealed to you. Whatever that question or that thing may be, I think we can get wrapped up in some of, there's just no way, but you know, we, we have countless stories of people we've, I've known and other people that have had these experiences. And I, I just, I just say, okay, Lord, I ask you to reveal this to me, reveal it to me. Where, where is this in your relation to my faith? And do I need to know? Do I really need to know this? And I think if, if there is a a hunger to know, then of course God will show you, but don't come at it as a skeptic trying to prove it wrong because Jesus never proved himself to skeptics. Mm. He, he pursued people that were hungry. And I think that hunger for his presence is really all that I think we need to, to understand, to get a hold of. I think I, I myself remember that moment of his presence changed everything. Thanks, bro. Yeah. His presence, man, I'm telling you. He can take your life that looks pretty pathetic and broken void and he can make something beautiful and and thanks bro yeah man appreciate your time god bless you gosh the hunger friends to hunger for him to hunger to know the truth of all this I just want to I just want to invite you listening wherever you are with these healings and the supernatural. I never believed in this stuff before, but I've seen things. I've hungered to know the truth. I've seen things. I've heard these stories. I invite you to hunger to see what that looks like for you, for what God wants to show you in that. And ask yourself this question. If David can see this, and he's just a guy, why not you?